think at one point my parents were just like, we just want you to be happy. And if you don't want to get married, that's fine. And he's a great guy. Don't let him go. And then I'm just like, okay, like if that's your worry, he's not going anywhere. So. Yeah. There's this thing where I go to Rashi and I tell her, I'm really proud of you. And she backs away from me. And she knows I'm I'm saying that because I'm going to take my cold hands and put it on her back and pat her back and be like, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate. A dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. And welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couples Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on a couple synergy and in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. Every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Anch and Rashi, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you so much for having us. It's, it's a pleasure. We love listening to your podcast, and I especially listen to quite, it quite often, so I'm. it's an honor to be here. That thank is awesome. You. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> and we were honored to be on your podcast as well. It was really a, an awesome discussion, mm -hmm. so thank you so much for that opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, for our audio listeners, why don't you give us a little bit about, you know, a little information about yourselves. How old are you? What do you guys do for a living? And how long have you been together? Sure. So hi, everyone. Rashi here. Um, I'm 30 years old and Anch and I have known each other for quite a while now. I think uh, if you had to put a number on it, probably four years. Um, I work in the tech industry and our relationship has had many beautiful flourishes uh, and twists and turns along the way. So we're very excited to share that story with you. And this is Ansh here. I work in the tech industry as well as a software engineer. And on the side, I have like multiple different projects. And we've been, we've been together in this journey, um, a fun journey for a few years and, you know, just it's exciting to see what lies ahead for us. So that's awesome. Can you tell us the story of how you met? Oh my gosh, that's yeah. going to take me back indeed. So <laughs> I think that this story starts with a bunny hop, which is the way Unch likes to tell it. Uh, I think about three years ago, we were going to a networking event um, at Harvard, which is where we both did our masters from and where we actually met. And I remember it was a huge crowded room filled with a lot of people and being new to the city of Boston, I really wanted to just make some friends. And so I was doing the whole social butterfly thing, just going around saying hi, you know, chit chatting with people. 
And I remember uh, Unch likes to say, I, I jumped into the conversation that he was a part of. And <laughs> so it, it was a few of us just standing around in a circle and just exchanging notes about classes and talking about professors. <clears throat> and suddenly this girl jumps in. <laughs> like and just starts looking at us and like trying to join in on a conversation i i hadn't seen that before the confidence that she brought in and she came with this curiosity like what are you guys talking about i want to join in and it was just so beautiful and that's how i remembered her not necessarily her face because when we went back home uh, we'd exchanged numbers i got a text from her and i didn't i couldn't really put a face to the number and the name but i remembered that hop so that's how i you know that's the story of how we met yeah and i think since then uh that was just like the inception points but our relationship really flourished over many different types of dates uh, everything from study dates to going and exploring our firsts and getting a chance to really un uh, uncover all of the layers that makes us us but from the very start we knew it was going to be something special what did you think of Ansh when you first met him I think my first reaction was, I wonder if he's going to give me his number because I could really use some friends right now. And he looks like a, <laughs> he looks like a decent guy to be friends with. And that's funny because I, I mean, I wasn't expecting anything more out of it. But I think the first time I really saw him, like really kind of like peeled back the layers and got to know him was our very first friendship date. Um, because, you know, it's like we weren't really dating. I was just like, hey, I'm looking for a friend. And we went to a karaoke bar. And oh. I remember we were sitting and we were having a conversation and we were just bouncing uh, ideas and talking about a variety of concepts, everything from traveling to what do you aspire to do to where were you raised? And at one point, like I think around 10 o'clock, we'd already been talking for two hours, the karaoke like started, right? So people are now like blaring and they're singing. And I remember I switched to sitting right next to him because I'm like, I still want to talk to you. Like, we're not going to let, we're not going to let this distraction get in the way of you and I have having this conversation right yeah. now. And that's that was it. So after I really had a chance to talk to him, I just knew that his, it, it felt almost instantaneously that his soul was very familiar to mine. And I could tell that we were going to have a lot in common. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I remember going back home with a sad throat because even after sitting close to each other, we still had to scream to talk. <laughs> and we talked a lot. We talked about the space, our dreams, the universe, just anything that came on the table, we took it as an offer and just had a conversation about it. And that night when I was driving back home, I was like, I had a really good time. I want to, you know, be with this person more. So slowly and surely I started looking for ways on how I can hang out with her more and more often. That's when I started, uh, suggested, you know, let's do study dates. Exams <laughs> are coming up. Let's go to the library together. We can study over there, play pool and breaks, go for food or something. And just anything and everything. I was looking for an excuse to spend more time with her, get to know her better. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you guys learn growing up about relationships? And is, is your relationship similar or different than your parents and what you learned? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So I... I definitely grew up in a home where my mom saw my dad as somebody that she would always put first. She's like, regardless of what happens behind closed doors, like 
uh, your dad, I'm always there for your dad. And you know, she's like, she, she's like, as children, she wanted us to very much understand the concept. She's like, adults can have disagreements, but that doesn't mean that they're not aligned and that they're not strong in their relationship and that, that they don't love each other. You can have disagreements and they can be healthy for your relationship. So I always grew up with this idea that I wanted to find someone in life that I was going to be able to build a very strong partnership with. Someone who would help me not only become uh, not only encourage me to continue fueling my own self-awareness journey, but also yes and all of the crazy ideas and projects that I wanted to work on every time I came up with an idea rather than, uh, you know, doubt it or wonder if it was going to, uh, you know, amount to anything like that. So in a way, I think that my relationship very much echoes the best parts of my parents' relationships. And I think has uh, we are very intentional in working on what we would what we saw as like the room for improvement from my personal, uh, from my parents' relationship. Yeah, I think uh, the difference, the, the biggest difference that I see in our relationship compared to our parents is like, both our moms are homemakers. They've taken care of the house, they've taught the kids, and dads were like the primary workers. So there's that shared responsibility, which gets split up, like dad's responsible for X, Y, and Z, and mom's responsible for the other stuff. And they're working well together. It's a system they've crafted that over years. They've perfected the whole flow. And you know, there's there's good communication and there's healthy uh, love in the family that is being shared to the kids. So that was beautiful. But in our relationship, it wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. We sort of have to do everything and nothing at the same time. Right. We, we both are cooking in, in rotations. We both are doing our nine to five jobs. And even after that on self projects and we're both socializing and going out equally, if not one more than the other. We both have our own ambitions that we want to work towards. So I think the biggest discovery for us has been how do we work towards these goals mm -hmm. that we want to individually meet for ourselves and also as a couple as partners, what, what are our goals and how do we get there? What, what do we do to get there? Mm -hmm. What uh, cultural differences or similarities have kind of carried over from your parents' relationship into your relationship together? Mm -hmm. I think um, for me, the biggest cultural similarity that I see is this willingness to stick through it uh, and to not just assume the worst about each other uh, when when things get rough, I think I think when my parents did that, it came from this sense of like, okay, we you know we have kids, we have to find a way to make it work. I think when Ansh and I decide that we're going to find the best in each other before getting worried that this is something big that we're never going to be able to pass, we do it from a space of really wanting to be each other's strength as well as leveraging each other's foundations to keep propelling our own dreams forward. So we seek that same kind of strength and foundation that I've seen in my parents, but as a place of proactivity. It's not something that, you know, it's not a byproduct of being married. It's uh, it's an intentional creation that we work on every single day because we see the value in that. We see the value in actually stepping up and being there for each other and getting to know each other that intimately. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Patience is something which has come to us uh, in mm. in the most of beautiful ways. Like we know that we have arguments and we appreciate those arguments because we know those arguments help us get to a better space, get 
to get, helps us understand each other better and that has come from our parents willingness to stick together we've seen them struggle we've seen them in arguments and we've seen how they've gone after those agree uh, disagreements and arguments to a better space and still be able to build that healthy happy household i think that's something that we appreciate seeing from our parents and we try and practice as well mm -hmm. when did you know that this was your person <laughs> Oh man, it's it's hard to find a distinct moment. I think it's for me it's every single day. I I I have this thing where I tell Rashi I won't promise you a um happily ever after. I won't promise you that I love you forever, but I do know I love you today. And I know you're my person today because you take care of me because you got me coffee in the morning, <laughs> you got me salad when I was working and I couldn't get up from my meeting today. And it's like these small moments every day which makes me believe that I can count on you on not just helping me out with these random things but also I can count on you when I'm down and upset, when I'm something's bothering me, I can go and talk to you mm -hmm. and I can count on you for helping me achieve my dreams, my personal ambitions and I, honestly that's that's how I know she's my person. No. And uh, the funny thing is at initially before I think I got to know Ansh really well when he would say that it it used to kind of hurt like oh you can't promise me happily ever after does that mean we're not going to you know this is not going to last forever and what I've actually come to realize is that no one can ever guarantee happily ever after all they can guarantee you is a willingness to stay in the relationship and work on it every second of every day and in return if the byproduct of that is a happily ever after great if the byproduct of that is having a much more difficult conversation where maybe it's time for us to grow separately then that's fine too and once i understood that it didn't hurt as much because i understood he is actually giving me the most important thing someone can give another which is willingness and and his time and the for me there was a, there was a single clear moment when i knew he was my person and that was when about a year and a half of dating slash being friends we had moved in together maybe 3 or 4 months before and we were just in this constant cycle of i was feeling strong emotions and my reaction to that was to shut down and be like i need time to process leave me alone and anshu's request in those moments would always be okay fine you can have your time but i just need to know what's going on can you please just tell me what's going on like he needed some form of communication and to be fair you're living in the same household energy seeps he's feeding off of my energy and i used to tell him if i could tell you what's wrong it wouldn't be a problem <laughs> and we wouldn't be here and so i can't tell you what's wrong <laughs> it, it's funny because initially my first response was tell me the problem i'll fix it yeah. <laughs> i'll find a solution i'll fix it don't worry i i know all the solution i know i can fix it and my solutions would be very obvious that are not very obvious like you know don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like... yeah and it was not working in fact it was so not working that there were multiple times where i thought maybe this relationship isn't for me he's just not going to understand how to give me space um and so after i think 4 months of this cycle repeating where i would need time to process my emotions i felt like unch didn't understand me one day he did present a solution and his solution was uh what we call our emotional status dashboard 
It's a dashboard that we use for nonverbal communication in which the person that's feeling emotions is able to write down, like, I feel anger is like passing through me right now. And that acts as a status symbol for the other person to know, hey, there's something going on internally that this person is trying to resolve. And it doesn't have anything to do with me necessarily, or maybe it does, but I don't need to take responsibility for it or necessarily be affected to it as much as if I didn't know. And that's when I knew Unch was a person for me because he presented a solution that we could work with. He brought creativity to a challenge that we were facing and decided to lean into what I was telling him that I can't use my voice right now, but I want to communicate with you. And his answer to that was, let's get creative and solve this in a way that makes both of us happy. And now we're on like version seven of our emotional <laughs> status dashboard, but it's definitely a tool that we use often, especially when difficult emotions arise and we really don't know how to work through them instantaneously. We need a little bit of time to process them. So you took like a, a tech software engineering approach to it. <laughs> yes, yeah, you absolutely. Did. <laughs> I, I love solving problems. That's you know something I do every day. So I was like, I, I want to solve a problem, but the mistake I was doing before was I wasn't listening to her, to my customer, mm -hmm. to my user. I, I thought I knew what the problem was, but at some point I realized she herself is trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. She can't communicate that to me until she knows herself. So in the dashboard, we have this section called baking and baked. Baking is when she's identified there's an emotion going on, anger or happy. And sometimes I use it for like sorrow or if I'm feeling lonely and I put it up. I'm like, I'm still processing it. And there's a section where you can be like, okay, I want to have a discussion or not. The goal with this whole framework and a lot of our different frameworks that we have is how do we communicate to our partner without actually talking to them? Mm -hmm. Non-verbal communication. Because mm -hmm. the moment voice comes into the picture, words come into the picture, the way the other person listens, you can't really control that. Mm -hmm. So we've sort of had this framework to have agree on some rules that, okay, an emotion's coming up until it goes to like a baked section, don't bother me about it. Mm -hmm. Help me out, remove some of my burden if you can by doing the dishes or whatever tasks it may be. But leave me alone until then. And when, when I move the emotion to a big, then I'm ready to have a conversation and then we can brainstorm on what needs to be done. I think it's solved at least like four out of five arguments that we have in the day because it's normally just a inability to express the emotion and walk somebody through it in real time. But I know I want to get there. I want to circle back and be like, hey, you know what? Sorrow is like moving through me today and I want to talk about it. And I'm finally ready to have that conversation. How early in your relationship did you start to have, you know, more in-depth conversations, especially about, you know, things going on for each of you that came up because of the relationship? <laughs> you remember New Hampshire? <laughs> yeah. Quite early. Um, I think maybe, well, from, from the very first day, we never shied away from difficult conversations. I think we were always very willing to dive into the the deep end simply because that's how we function like we both believe that you know the, the more the more you understand yourself and the more you're willing to share with your partner the easier it becomes for somebody to get a much more well-rounded picture of you and so we never shied away from a difficult conversation we are very 
honest in being like, we're not ready to discuss all parts of it, especially like things around finance early on in our relationship. We weren't very, I wasn't very comfortable having some of those conversations, but I think about five months into being friends, we went to, we went to New Hampshire <laughs> and there was a whole situation with, um, we were supposed to be sleeping out in the snow. We had two flat tires. There was no hotel that we could check into. It was just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, a lot of cold and starvingness and just being like, what are we going to do? And in the middle of all of that discomfort, I remember Anshan and I, we walked into a cafe at like 3 a.m. in the morning because that was the only thing that was open. And over several cups of really hot coffee, I was just like, we really need to talk about what's going on here because I'm wondering if I should keep you as a friend. Like you planned this trip and I'm not feeling very safe right now. Uh, can we discuss what went wrong and maybe what can we do going forward so that we, I don't feel like this. Yeah, I think that that was one of the lowest point a couple or friends can hit. That, that whole day was such a disaster. And what worked for us was we worked as a team to faced all the challenges that came on that day. Like she was reading the manual. I was trying to change the tire in the middle of the road at 2 a.m. in New Hampshire, <laughs> where it's like so cold in December. But we, we came out of it and we came out of it stronger, knowing that this feeling of I can count on you. Mm -hmm. When when we hit rock bottom, I know you'll be there to help me out. Mm -hmm. And I can leverage on your strengths and I can add my strengths and mm -hmm. we can work together as a team to, mm -hmm. to build that. So at this point, this is five months into a friendship knowing each other mm -hmm. and you guys are, are just friends still at this time. Yeah, there's like the briefest like, oh, maybe this could be more. I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that Anch was the kind of person who had um, values that very much resembled mine. And that whether we were friends or we were something more, I was going to learn a lot from this guy. And so for me, every opportunity was kind of like a litmus test of, okay, so if I was going to like live with you and we were going to make a life happen and we faced a bunch of adversity, how are you going to handle it? And again, I think this was another defining moment where even in my friendship, I knew he was the one for me because while we were changing the tires at 2 a.m. in the morning and frozen, right, frozen, he's still smiling. He's still laughing and having a good time. And I'm just like, how are you so happy right now? Like, this is the last emotion I'm feeling. And he's just like, well, you know, we'll figure it out. It's going to be all right. And he was, that that was just his nature. In that one glimpse, I knew he was action and solution oriented, not problem oriented. And that was something that I very much admired about you. Were you dating during the time that you guys were friends or deemed each other friends? Uh, I I was I I did have a boyfriend back in California whom for it was it was almost like a an extended relationship mostly because I didn't know how to say I can't be with you anymore while I was moving away to Boston and I met Anch pretty much like a month into living in Boston yeah and so and a lot of a lot of that like conflict of interest definitely was because I was in a committed and a happy relationship but at the same time I just knew who I was in that relationship wasn't going to enable me to fulfill my potential. So I had another decision to make on top of that, which is, do I end one relationship to say yes to another? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know about her relationship status really, because I hadn't really asked her about it. It wasn't something I was looking out of it that, you know, we're going to date. I honestly, selfishly just wanted to spend more time and be like, you know, I want to be friends with you 
if that turns out to be something more that's great that's going to be awesome but at the minimum i want to be like best friends with you or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, i i wasn't dating anyone i was in a relationship quite a while ago uh, i don't even remember maybe a year ago or something i uh, so yeah i was just looking for friends at that point mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at, at what point did it transition from friends to being a couple? Yeah. I feel like it it was almost like a a gradual waking up um where I saw I saw all of the signs and when I went home uh I I think a few months before our friendship turned into a romance I guess you could say I had decided that I was going to be ending my relationship with my then partner because it was not going to be what brought me fulfillment long term in life I could see that we didn't we didn't match in a lot of things in the way in our value system specifically and I think that organically me coming to me meeting somebody like Ansh and learning that there is so much more in life than the experiences that I've had and that there are people out there that will help me become a better version of myself and I don't have to kind of just stay in the stay in the love that I know I can take a chance if he accepts that love in return that gave me a lot of courage that I needed to be able to do a lot of self work and understanding what do I want what do I want in terms of um love in terms of happiness and fulfillment in my life and so when i ended that relationship with my boyfriend i told at the same time uh, i was i unvisited california uh, at that time and i told him my whole story and i told him you know i've always felt like you and i can be something more but i am in no place to be in a relationship right now and if you'll have me as a friend i think i just need a friend right now um and if that's good enough for you i want you to know that it, it that it's you know that it's the most that i can give you right now and that was that was a very difficult yeah. and vulnerable conversation yeah yeah i've always sort of resisted getting labels assigned mm. so having that conversation of okay you're my girlfriend and i'm your boyfriend we i think didn't explicitly want to sign up for that mm-hmm. so i was like i think at some point we even said i i especially had said i love you i love spending time with you now take it whatever way you want to but i just want again more excuses to spend time with you and this conversation about am i your boyfriend mm-hmm. i don't really care as much mm-hmm. i think it was when we were going to chicago mm-hmm. uh, maybe sometime in april few months after that was this whole conversation of making it explicit which happened on the flight rashi had this small box <laughs> and in that they were um how many 23 rings yeah, i think labels, like 23 yeah. labels with small little rings made of jute and all those cards in that had labels you're my friend mm-hmm. you're my partner you're my best friend you're my at the end after all these labels came you're my boyfriend mm mm-hmm. and that sort of i guess when it became obvious okay now we've accepted that we yes. able we we are more than just friends we're saying that you know let's be explicit or yeah. but yeah. it was such a um beautiful moment because it's it's amazing i i, I didn't even know it was something i wanted mm-hmm. but at the same time it's something that i had been resisting for so long uh it's just a bunch of mixed feeling on yeah. the flight on the flight <laughs> on the flight to meet his brother in chicago <laughs> can you guys talk about um you know it's interesting to see the different generations and how they navigate this stuff and a lot of people in your group they're not coupling mm-hmm. 
-hmm. and they're not like making conscious choice decisions. Will you be my girlfriend? Will you marry me? Will you move in with, you know, sort of like, well, it's just sort of happens or, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm sure you see this in, in your peer group Mm -hmm. of no labels and stuff. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Uh, I think the con- the comment that Unch made about even our relationship with labels kind of feeds into what I've seen with my friend group. Um, a lot of people have become really comfortable with this idea of, I kind of want to see how things work out between us instead of just saying, I'm ready to make you my wife or pr- just proposing to you or just moving in. And I think that a lot of it, um, what, I, what I've noticed tends to work for people is when they take that kind of non-label approach, but don't forget the intentionality that comes with it, right? So a lot of people I think use labels as a way to propel certain um, certain ways of showing up. Like, okay, now I'm going to take care of you or now I'm going to make sure that you're a priority for me. And now I'm going to make sure, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's kind of like, oh, the label has been added. So now I'm activated and I, I'm going to show up as this committed person who's going to be with you in health and sickness. and. I think that if you're going to walk away from using the labels as a way of understanding yourself and your partner, you have to remember to still invite that intentionality back into your relationship, however you want. The label doesn't have to be the only way. And I think that that's the example that we lived by because, I mean, my parents, his parents, people around us would sometimes put the label of boyfriend, girlfriend, or be like, when are y'all getting married? And we'd always tell them, we're like, you know what? We, if, if married means that you're working together every day, helping each other live out their dreams, then call us married. We're already married. But, you know, if married means something else for you, then let's talk about them. T- tell me what are your expectations around this word, and I'll sh- tell you how I'm willing to show up to it. And I think I've seen in my personal friend group that a lot of my, um, a lot of my colleagues and a lot of my friends are willing to have those more difficult conversations, especially because you're seeing a lot of dual income career families now where people need to have some sense of equality in terms of home ownership and the work that's going on in the home. But a lot of the times I also see people still relying on those labels to kind of help navigate how to show up in these spaces. And that's, I think, really where the work that we do with Lovita is to kind of help bridge that gap of how are you able to show up and build your relationships a little bit more intentionally without having to rely on okay, things have always just been done this way and that's what I should do. Yeah. The way I see it is, uh, at least for us, we want to be intentional. Whenever we do accept a label or we're deciding to go to the next step, move in, we want to be intentional and know why we're doing it. So I'm your boyfriend, but sure, what does that mean? Like, does it mean we're explicit? Like, how do we define what a boyfriend is? How do we define what a partner is? How do we define what a husband or wife is? That's the key for us. And what I see in my friends is a lot of times people are afraid of failing. And they don't want this label because they're afraid it's not going to work out and it's going to hurt. And for me, I've been in relationships before and I've had breakups before. And those I, I call as failures. And those failures have taught me, have made me stronger to not fear failure. Mm-hmm. Rather, embrace the love and appreciate the love that you get from whatever time you are together with whoever you are. Mm-hmm. And people are afraid to do that. Everyone's a little more um, 
selfish, if you may. Like they, they care about themselves a little more. The universe revolves around you. I don't want to be hurt, but it's okay to be hurt. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like if you're not afraid to accept that label, if you're willing, if you open up your heart, there are things which are going to come in. A lot of it is going to be good. Mm-hmm. There might be some bad things which can come in as well. But mm-hmm. most it of it. It sounds very much like you guys what are, are doing is separating commitment from the label. Mm-hmm. Right. And that mm-hmm. in, in generations ago, you could have the label, you could have the, you know, the legal uh, married status, but not have that commitment mm-hmm. within your relationship. And so it sounds very much like you guys focus more on the commitment, you know, and what you guys are willing to expect out of each other, yourselves and the relationship versus mm-hmm. what a label deems necessary. Is that what I'm getting at? Absolutely. Um, I think the way I like to describe it is why are you in this relationship is what anchors us, right? That commitment factor, how you show up to it, either the labels or the actions that you decide to do, those can change and vary as you learn and grow or add new labels into your own repertoire. But why you are here, what you want from this person that you're saying you want to spend your life with, build a home with, raise kids with, that work shouldn't start and stop because of a label in your life. Mm -hmm. It's a part of who you are and what you want to manifest and create with your time on this planet. And I think that that's something that we've always been very intentional to keep separate. Yeah, that's true. What are some of those intentional things that you guys have decided were priorities or values for your relationship? It's funny. uh, We have this whole value stones. Uh, It's a bunch of... 20 or 30 stones that we have. And those are just short phrases and messages that we want to invite into our home. And we were very intentional about going through that list every year and changing those stones. And some of the things, uh, like I'll talk about the biggest one. I think the biggest one is small happinesses and small doses of love. Like how can we love each other in not grand gestures, Mm -hmm. that's important too. But how do we love each other? How do we show up for each other in these small moments and these small gestures? Mm -hmm. And it can be as much as like bringing coffee, giving a a kiss, giving a hug, or just pampering the other person, giving a head massage or something. But we are intentional every day of doing at least one thing to show up for the other person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that that value stone acts as the primary foundation on which all of our other intentionality kind of builds up on things like fostering our own traditions in the space of, um, you know, sometimes what society gives us. Like uh, during Christmas, we have a, a very special tradition where we like to pay it forward, um, which is like, you know, pay, pay for other people's meals forward when you're going out and you're eating. And that's something that we like to do in the month of December. And like this, every time we come upon something that kind of has a story behind it, we like to ask ourselves, like instead, what do we want to invite with this particular practice? Uh, And when intentionality kind of, um, it becomes embedded as every part of who we are and how we wake up and we spend every single day, it becomes a lot easier to give people the benefit of doubt and not just like my partner, but 
friends that I've had some difficult relationships with or other people that I meet, like my colleagues, I've realized that the way that we choose to live, how, the, the way we're inviting intentionality with these value stones in our own life has this outward seeping effect where there is just more love and compassion and kindness that I have to extend to everyone else around me, the wider the wider humanity. And so I've, I've literally been able to see the firsthand effect of living a life filled with intentionality. And it's been it's made me very happy. These last yeah. four years building a life with Unch has been some of the most beautiful years that I've had the chance to be able to see myself grow and yeah. see my love grow. Right. We we do have traditions. So we're not very religious, but we want to participate in traditions. So what we end up doing is we spin off existing traditions and make our own. Like, for example, uh, the Christmas, we have we don't really get a Christmas tree because I don't believe in cutting a tree and getting it to your home. It's okay if others do it. What we end up doing is we put lights on the wall in the shape of a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. So we're sort of celebrating in our own way and holy, instead of putting colors on each other, we try and, you know, do nail paint on of different colors on our nails. Yeah. So <laughs> we have a bunch of these traditions where we're, being intentional on participating and celebrating, trying to find excuses to celebrate and do something to make these memories. Mm -hmm. And that's how our love grows. Were you both uh, raised in a specific religion? And then also, how have you responded to the family expectations of, you know, uh, of when are you guys going to get married and the labels and all that? What, what is what's transpired, you know, yes. in response to those? Oh, that's a that's a lovely loaded question. <laughs> so we we are married right now, and that was a big conversation that we had at some point. Uh, we weren't really looking to get married. I think at some point, uh, I wanted to get married, and Rashi asked me the simple question as to why, and I was like. <laughs> lost i'm like uh what do you mean why that's what you do right and she's like think about it tell me why mm -hmm. and it took me a while to figure out that why it took me i i went to my parents i went to my um, aunts and uncles and my friends and i asked them why did you get married <laughs> and nobody really had a very strong answer that was okay for me a lot of it was just well that's what you do mm -hmm. you love somebody and this is the way your love grows trust me I'm like, I don't trust you. I mean, how is this one day going to magically change things? My mom, especially, she kept insisting that, you know, your love will go stronger. You'll have this bond that you don't understand right now, but you will after. And I didn't believe her. At some point, my why, when I went back to Rashi, after many, many months, was just because I want to. Mm -hmm. I don't have a reason, but it's something that I think will bring us joy. It's sort of another excuse to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that was it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it's uh, it's interesting because like he said, we were both very happy just being in a, in a domestic partnership. There was, I think, family expectation. They kept asking us. They're like, oh, okay, you know, like, take your time, take your time. But, you know, you are going to get married someday, right? Like, that's going to happen, right? And uh, I was just like, I would challenge my mom, especially. I'd be like, you know, why? Like, what do you, I need to understand, just like Ansh was doing field research on his end, I was digging deeper into my parents' side and being like, what do you think is miraculously going to happen? And do you think that I'm not already doing that now do you feel like I'm not um do you feel like I'm going to be running away if I don't 
you know, sign on the dotted line to which I can tell you there's no dotted line out there that can keep me in this relationship if I don't want to be here. And so it's after many, many layers of pulling back. I think at one point my parents were just like, we just want you to be happy. And if you don't want to get married, that's fine. Just be happy. And he's a great guy. Don't let him go. Maybe he'll run away if you don't marry him. And I'm just like, okay, like if that's your worry, he's not going anywhere. So. Yeah, I, I think that was one of the biggest insecurities my mom had to like, yeah. she's gonna go away. Mm -hmm. I was like, how is marriage going to change that? Yeah. Right. It's not like I'm going to put her in shackles after that. She can still go away. So isn't it better that she goes away now before we have to do these uh, paperwork and traditions or whatever it will be? Yeah. And she's like, no, no, it won't happen. Once you sign it, once you, you know, do that, you cross that line, it doesn't happen. So not without a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it would. It would a lot of attorneys. It would. And it would just make it more complicated. And so we, as we were having these conversations, we were realizing that um, our parents just had a very different narrative of what happens after marriage versus before marriage. Mm -hmm. And it's because they lived in a, they lived in a time frame where that's how it was for them. It wasn't necessarily true for us, but they were operating under very different circumstances, expectations, and um, beliefs, I guess you could say. And so once one of the things that I am incredibly proud of in terms of both of our parents, both of our sets of parents, is that at the end of the day, their bottom lines to us were, we support you and we we want you to be happy. Okay, we're, we're, we might not be over the moon that you're not doing things the way we want you to do it because actually we ended up eloping and didn't do a traditional marriage at all. Uh, we kind of just were like, y'all are gonna fly in, right? We're gonna we're gonna sign the, some dotted line in, in a few days. And so it was, in the end, they were very happy because they got what their, uh, with all of the investigation, what we realized their final line was, just don't let this other person go. And they didn't really care what it took for us to get there. At the end of the day, they were willing to give away a lot in terms of how traditional we went, whether we decided to do a traditional marriage or not. They were just very happy that we decided to say yes to each other for a, a lifelong journey. And that's when I understood that even though, especially for my parents, they claim that they are um, spiritual. So spirituality is very important to them they, um, and more than more than necessarily uh, than religion. And so I was raised in a background where going to the temple was uh, customary. Uh, there was even dreams and expectations of me having a traditional Indian wedding. And maybe my mom and dad still expect that to a certain degree. One day they're like, we're going to get her to do it. <laughs> but I don't know. But at the end of the day, they uh, they've always told me and reinforced the fact that your happiness is more important to us. And now they've even added another layer where they're like, regardless of what happens, I want um, they say that they want a relationship with Anshin and I no matter what. And they don't want that to disintegrate or deteriorate because of some sort of expectation either put on by society or by religion. And I really respect and value them for that. And it makes me more willing to have the conversation on, well, what would bring you joy? What would bring you happiness? And why, why is this thing so important for you if we are going to go down and actually have this conversation of a traditional wedding? Yeah. So when did you guys elope? Oh, in the middle of our move to Seattle. <laughs> how, how long ago was that? Uh, this was have we done a year? More than a year. It's been a year. Yeah, we did a we did a year. We've... It was August of the twenty twenty one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. August fourteenth, twenty twenty one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we'd been in Boston for a few years. I'd been in Boston for more um, almost six. She'd been there for a couple of years, and I got a new job offer. And at this point, we were living in together, and I got this offer uh, in Seattle. 
and had to relocate for that. So we started packing, we started planning all the trip. We were gonna do a road trip all the way across the country. And in that moment, we loved Boston mm -hmm. as a city. And we were like, we wanna make this more memorable. Mm -hmm. So let's pick this as a place. If, if we're ever gonna do this, it, it will be in Boston. And let's you know make us happy We've, we had discussed that we want to do it at some point, how and when we were still figuring out. So we're like, you know, let's just do a local unofficial ceremony. We had his brother come over from New York. Mm -hmm. Her parents had come. My parents were in India. They were on Zoom. It was like just six, seven, eight people. That's it. Mm -hmm. In the park. And you know, we signed the paperwork before itself. But it was just that moment which made it so special. And that was it honestly like we just i don't even know what else to <laughs> no it was i think the, the lead up time that our parents had was like five weeks from the kids went from oh yeah you know what when we know we're gonna get married you'll know we're getting married <laughs> to okay so the date is august 14th if you want to come you can book some tickets come in on august 14th so it was it was a very quick turnaround time and i think there were uh they were happy because they were they were getting what they wanted, which was for us to get married. But I think there was some there was additional resistance on like, why not? Why don't you take your time? You know, we can plan a whole ceremony and all of this. And then we had some more difficult conversations on, you know, it's not necessarily the ceremony. We're not doing this necessarily for the ceremony. We understand that there are some there are some things, some expectations that you would have from this marriage. But right now, this is really just for us. Like this is us saying I love you and thank you, Boston, for bringing us together. Um, and we want to create this one final memory before we leave. How do you guys go from like resisting the labels, resisting marriage, right? Put, uh, the resistance, you know, to your parents and the family yeah. pressure to going, hey, let's elope. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think um, I want to give credits to my mom here when she said things will be better after, you know, you do tie the knot or you do sign the paperwork or whatever. She was right. And what I will add to that is our love, because we're intentional with it, it, it grows every day. Mm. So that paper was, yes, that crossing that milestone made us love each other more. But I always tell Rashi, I love you more than a second before. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was just another excuse, mm -hmm. another reason, anything and anything, honestly, that I can grab from the universe to celebrate. Mm -hmm to create a milestone. Now it could be a birthday, it could be just, we celebrate friend anniversaries. We have like 10 different anniversaries <laughs> that we celebrate on days first, days first that. It was just another thing. Yeah. Um, we stopped fighting it and we're like, we don't have to resist this as a bad thing and we can just embrace mm -hmm. it in our own philosophy, in our own tradition of celebrating everything. Mm -hmm. I'll add to that. I think for me, it was I stopped resisting the label of marriage because I realized that the person who he is isn't going to change when this label comes my way. And that was the kind of security that I needed to be able to say, I'm willing to spend the rest of my life with you and make the process of leaving much more complicated than if we just continue to date. I It was, it was almost like I needed the assurance that he wasn't going to change after marriage. Like, I wanted to know who he was in difficult moments when we had to make life decisions, when things were good. I wanted to see all of these different sides of him to know exactly what am I getting into. And once the the year and a half that we were living together, all of the 
And I mean, the, the pandemic accelerated everything. Like we had moved in and six weeks later, the pandemic hit. So we went from being like, oh my God, we're trying out this live-in thing to now I only live and see and breathe your existence in my life. And it was it was a lot. We, we accelerated our relationship curve like nothing. And after that experience, I knew that the person that I was with, whether I married him or not, was always going to be the partner that I needed to help fulfill all of my dreams. And that's what made it okay for me to say, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, one of the things that we kind of define is that you need conditions in order to love unconditionally mm. on earth. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, you guys talk a lot about this intentionality and labels and stuff and, and you're, you, I don't know if you've ever heard the term, like, you know, you think you're forging your own way and you look down and you're on the beaten path. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. um, what was the resistance to some of that for you guys? And, you know, is it stuff you saw in society or, you know, obviously roles have changed tremendously throughout different generations. Uh, what was that like for you guys? And how do you find now that you're, a year and a half, a year and a couple months in, what is different? Mm -hmm. I think for me, the the resistance to following this path really came from the fact that I don't like doing things because I should. Uh, I I feel like you have to have a better reason than that's just the way it's been and you should do it. And I've even even early on before marriage was on the table, I used to tell my mom that, you know, for me, understanding why I'm doing this is more important than just saying, yes, I will do it because I will follow through. I will always follow through on what I give my word to. But if I'm if I'm not willing to give my word or commit to something, it's really because I don't understand its value and how it plays in my life yet. And so the, the field work that I had to do by living with Ansh and getting to know him and going through all of my litmus tests of how are we under stress? How are we when we're happy? Like all of these questions that I had, they were my mind's way of understanding. OK, so when people say you're going to get married and you're going to have to support your partner and you're going to give them you know, unconditional love, like, OK, this is what it looks like for me. And a lot of that resistance I saw fading away as I started to live into the reality. And for me, the why became it, it became a lot clearer. And I was able to say, yes, you know what? Marriage is fine. If marriage means that you get to show up every day and even if your partner is not feeling okay and not having the greatest time and their emotions are rubbing you the wrong way, you know that they still love you and you're going to figure it out. If that's what it means, sign me up. I'm good. Well, that's it. a guarantee. <laughs> and it that that but that's the that's the living the reality part like litmus testing the resistance like stress testing that resistance that I needed to do for myself in order to feel happy and secure in this relationship I think I have had friends who do this kind of testing after they signed the dotted line right like then it's like the they call it the natural growing pains of any relationship i think i'm just uh i i decided to choose the pain first i'm like let me just see what it's all about yeah i i want to echo that and be like that a lot of the resistance was just because things have happened mm -hmm. and we didn't really understand why mm -hmm. and i didn't take people's word for it mm -hmm. like things will be better or this is how it's done it should be done i didn't understand and when somebody told me, you know, this is for your best interest, it won't hurt you if you do so and so thing. I have always been like, let me do it. Let me experience it. Let me fail. I'm not afraid of failing. I embrace failing. Mm -hmm. Let me make a mistake. And that's how I'll truly understand 
and tomorrow when i have to explain the same thing to my love i can do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now that love can be my partner my kid whoever it might be i can't really pass on your your wisdom of this is how it should be done because i say so mm. if i don't really know what it feels like i that won't be effective mm-hmm. yeah it, it sounds like you guys had to redefine what marriage means to you absolutely and and i think that that is absolutely important for any couple go, getting into you know wanting to create create a committed partnership mm-hmm. is that they have to define what it means to each of them not by what their parents are telling them it should be or how things should be done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think at this point right now what the time is our our son is probably getting engaged oh, oh congrats congratulations thank you and this is this podcast going to come out down the line so we're not giving out any secrets so this is <laughs> i could say this right now so you know and and that's something that they had to define for themselves as well mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in in how they were going to show that to each other and show that commitment to each other and it wasn't something that was going to be a, a surprise by one it was something that the two of the them were going to create together simultaneously and maybe previous generations would have different thoughts about that mm-hmm. for sure previous generations would you know but it's really up to each couple to define how their marriage starts how their marriage continues to grow and evolve and change over the years mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's what you guys have done despite any labels that society puts on it absolutely yes. and i i want to add that the definition changes mm-hmm. on a regular basis we we again are intentional about sitting and having a conversation about how these definitions are changing for us but the part you mentioned about change it's like that's the only constant things will change mm-hmm. your needs will change your partner's needs will change you have to go back to the table together and have a respectful conversation of what does the future hold for you mm-hmm. it's interesting when i think about our son and and he's 24 mm-hmm. um and probably for the last 30 years a baby that's born is born and on a camera almost all their life wow. and they are controlled in their playdates there's always an adult they're part of some extracurricular activity that includes a coach and an adult and you know when i was a kid you went out and played and if you fought with someone you figured it out and so you, we were figuring those things out very young Mm-hmm. but people today that are coming of age have been go to school and get good grades and do this and do this and everyone around you is your competition and you have to shine you have to find a way but conform and so it's like it seems to me that it's happening within relationships of mm-hmm. uh, wait a second we do this everywhere else in the world mm-hmm. i don't want to do it in my home yes mm-hmm. does that sound like a truth for you guys Yes, absolutely because if you have to pretend in your own home, then when are you ever going to really be able to do the work that's necessary to reflect on yourself and grow into the person that you want to be rather than the person you think you have to be because you're on uh, you're on display or you're consistently having to perform to a certain standard. And so when the work that we do to build an intentional life and to create this relationship as is is so that we are consistently empowered as individuals to keep seeking out 
our own growth and our, our relationships growth. It's, it's this multi-layered aspect that always fuels back to us the drive to keep to keep going forward and bring more happiness and joy into everything that we do. That, that sounds really amazing. And, and I think that unfortunately, a lot of couples mm -hmm. your age don't do that. They don't create their their relationship with intentionality because, you know, as Jean mentioned, they have been conforming and they have been taught to just continue to do the things that they're expected of them. Mm -hmm. And so then they get into this relationship. They look at each other and, and they're like, this is not like Instagram or TikTok. What's right. going on here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's uh, a big reason to that is because they haven't been taught this they don't learn this in school. They don't learn this in coaching classes. You you learn this by experience. Mm -hmm. And some people learn it earlier than later. For me personally, it was, you know, this whole chapter of intentionality and why and digging deep into layers and understanding your true emotions before you just, you know, try and put them on somebody else has been because I've spent time with Rashi. We've talked about these things again and again and again. And also because of, your podcast like yours where you come in you listen mm -hmm. you understand mm -hmm. what's going on and learn from people's stories mm -hmm. other people don't put in that effort mm -hmm. and the more you put in the effort the more you're going to get out of it mm, yeah i remember early on uh Anshu was just like man i didn't realize relationships were consistent work and i'm just like <laughs> all right <laughs> this can either be a really big flag or the start of something new. <laughs> but luckily for us, it ended up being a life a, a lifelong journey yeah. um, into growing together. And Unch really took that, you know, relationships are consistent work and and turned it into something really beautiful. Now it's just an ethos of of who we are and and what we enjoy and and do. But you're absolutely right. I feel like a lot of times we shy away from intentionality, like Unch said, because we haven't been taught that it's something that we have to invite and manifest in. And I think, you know, even if we are trying to bring intentionality in, the primary component, especially in a relationship, is three parts. It's you and your own journey, your partner and their journey, and then what are you creating together? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's either a fortunate mixture or an unfortunate mixture, depending on where you are, but you have to have all three of those parts kind of willing to operate in a similar nexus before you're able to actually create something very beautiful from it, right? Because uh, what one of the reasons my previous relationship before Unch wasn't working was because I realized the role that I had to play in my own self-awareness and self-growth. And I was willing to play that role in the we of our relationship. But my partner at the time didn't necessarily think that there was much growing that he had left to do for himself. Or if he did see it, it wasn't in the same uh, in intensity that I would necessarily want or the same passion that I think that you know, an individual should feel about their own self-growth. And that's something that I realized very early on is that if one of the three wheels is not here, I can't ride this as a motorcycle. It's 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 a rickshaw. It's a tricycle. Like I can't ride it as a motorcycle. So uh, it's just too much. It, it would be too much work and too much of a burden for one person in that relationship to carry it forward. So I do think that as individuals, we have to be responsible for the I the individual part that we bring in a relationship. Two whole individuals coming together to form something greater than themselves. You know what we call that? Synergy. Synergy. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You know, we come here to teach what we come here to learn. And it's really great to see you guys doing the work and, and discovering it 
you know, we were like that early on in our relationship. Like, you know, we knew we wanted to, to go into the psychology field, but we really knew we could, we tried to stay away from couples work and mm. we just got getting pulled back in and, <laughs> and here we are, you know, 25 years later. So what is one last question? What is it that your partner does that, you know, they love you? Mm. <laughs> I think uh, I would go back to, it's the small things. Uh, there's this thing where I go to Rashi and I tell her, I'm really proud of you. And she backs away from me. <laughs> and she knows I'm I'm saying that because I'm going to take my cold hands and put it on her back and pat her back and be like, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> it's, it's those small things. It's those small things of understanding each other, mm -hmm. caring for each other. And even after that, she knows that I'm going to put my cold hands. She lets me. <laughs> She's like, I, I choose the torture. <laughs> it, it makes me fall in love with her every day because of things like that. Oh, man. I don't know. One of these days, it's just going to be too cold, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I think for me, uh, you know, echoing Anshi, it's definitely the small things, but it's also the big things. Like, or very, very early on, I noticed that Anch likes to keep lists of things that I say. Like, I'll say, oh, I really want to do this. Like, one of the things on our list right now is I told him I've never, like, slept overnight in a treehouse. And it's been on his list for, I think, three years now. Mm -hmm. um, and, a, you know, we, we had made a plan and then COVID happened. So we weren't able to follow through, which is when he told me that we were actually going to be going to a treehouse. And I asked him, I'm like, but I talked about that like a year and a half ago. How do you still remember? And he's like, I wrote it down. <laughs> I wrote it down <laughs> so that I could follow through on it. And that made me realize that he's listening. He's really listening, not only to the big things that like the, the I guess you could say like the uh, the chain, the currency of a relationship, like communication problems or me not feeling good about something. Those are those are important as well. But he's listening to the smaller things that bring me joy. And then he's finding ways to follow through on it. And that to me is the sign of someone who loves you and wants to show that they love you in every single way. That's wonderful. Ashley Rashi, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This is really wonderful. Can, can you tell our listeners where they can uh, access your podcast to listen to maybe the episode that we were on? <laughs> yeah, of course, absolutely. I, I, first of all, I want to say thank you for having us. Uh, you have been an amazing inspiration for yes. me, especially. I, I have like a few... Uh, podcast which I have notifications on for and in relationships there are two ours and yours <laughs> and we love listening to the stories but uh, if you want to reach out to us uh, our blog is lovita.blog l-o-v-i-t-a dot blog where we post frameworks and tools that we um, implement for our relationship mm -hmm. and also things that we've learned from experts and other couples mm -hmm. and the uh, podcast is love vitamins for relationships because we believe in implementing these healthy practices to grow a healthier relationship mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. And you'll find, you'll find us on all of the platforms, I believe, Spotify, Apple, what was the other one? Instagram. Instagram. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wonderful. Definitely. We'll put those links in the show notes. Vitamins also. for your relationship. Love vitamins awesome. for your relationship. Love, love vitamins, right? That's love vitamins. awesome. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. I love it. Well, thank you again for being on our podcast. We want to thank all of you for joining us today on, on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. 
Sharing stories is a way that have been bringing human beings together since the beginning of time to bond and heal and grow. We hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, which is coming up in, in April of 2023, that's April 20th to the 23rd in beautiful Colorado, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple. Look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.